Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Oh, actually, you right? actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me on set. You know yeah, I got to do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Go get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad The music's dead, but I'm alive here. It is Thursday, November 5th, 2015. November's here, man. I mean, we're five days into it. I'm just not realizing that it's November. It's going by, and it's going by quick. Nevertheless, we're here, uh, moving ever close to uh, closer to another football weekend. Uh, we're coming down to the final week of high school football here in South Florida and probably across the rest of this great nation. Uh, things are getting down to the nitty-gritty in college football as we have uh, had the first college football playoff rankings come out. Don't know how much that means, but we'll tackle that whole issue uh, as coming up on the show today. In the NFL, we're reaching the midway point, and uh, some teams are firmly putting themselves out of any type of playoff race that quickly. It's happening. And we've got some unexpected undefeateds here. So uh, we'll touch on a number of college and NFL topics on the show today. And as usual, we'll be talking Florida Gators football with Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour to talk about the latest in Florida Gators football. They're enjoying a very fine season. There's a lot of euphoria in the town of Gainesville. Uh, people are having visions and flashbacks of the Spurrier years. And listen, I think it's all great what's happening uh, at Florida but fans, you know, slow down, man. Let's just get through this season. Let's enjoy it right now. Fans are always quick to say, oh, we're back. Back to the glory days. Hey, man, you're halfway through a season. You know, like Coach Mack is telling his players, let's just focus on Vanderbilt, getting that done. And then you could talk about Atlanta and then who's going to play in Atlanta and then, and then you know, getting by that, and then possibly finding yourself in the college football playoff. I, you know, and again, we'll talk about the rankings on that, but fans and their knee-jerk. 
Holy cow. Uh, you know, part of that knee jerk, it, it's not just football. It also extends to the NBA. And now, look, listen, what are we, six games into the NBA season? The Lakers are 0-4, and, and people are losing their mind. People, they play 82 games. 82 games they play in the NBA basketball season. I mean, the Lakers haven't even completed, uh, I mean, what they completed, 4% of their season so far? And they're losing their minds out there in Los Angeles. I mean, the Western Conference is a serious deal, no doubt about that. You know, Golden State looks like a powerhouse. Took on the Clippers last night, dished them out a nice little loss there, no problem. Golden State to top the Western Conference, as many would expect. Undefeated Clippers are in there at second in second place. I mean, if you got hit in the head ten years ago and you're not waking up today, and you pop this open and at the top of the Western Conference, you're seeing Golden State and the L.A. Clippers. You're gonna think you're still a little, you know, punch drunk. And then when you hop over to the Eastern Conference, the Raptors are five and zero, and at the top, and the Atlanta Hawks are in second place. Meanwhile, teams like the the uh, Celtics and the Pacers are, you know, on the bottom half of the standings. But again, it's early. We've only completed 5% of the NBA basketball season. People need to relax and they need to chill out. Just as they need to also in uh, college football as well. Let these things play out. But we'll be touching on all that in the show today. What's going on in social media? Man, listen, if you're in social media, I don't even care who you are. You could be like a pastor or a preacher on Facebook. And on your timeline, you're going to have uh, some fights going down. We are angrier than we've ever been before. I mean, there is literally no place we won't fight. You thought five guys was safe? Nuh-uh. Five guys had a big old brawl involving females. Not only involving females, involving females that are employees. Yeah, that went down at South Beach here in uh, good old South Florida. Yaman. Fries flying, straws flying, punches flying, wigs flying, full out fight. We will stop at nothing to duke him out. I just watched about a minute long tussle between uh, I, uh, an apparently uh, a drunk patron in a drive through at McDonald's and an employee halfway hanging out of the drive through window. Throwing punches, holding on to each other and throwing punches like it was the third period in a Penguins versus Panthers hockey game. What in all hell could get you to that point in McDonald's? I mean, first of all, realize you're ordering at McDonald's, so nothing is that serious, okay? What in the world could get you to that point? What's said? Like, what is said at a McDonald's that gets you that mad? You're going to punch it out with the employee. And what's funny is, I guess the manager is holding the shirt of the employee so he doesn't go all the way out the window. On my scorecard, the uh, employee won the fight. But good grief, man. We are We will fight anywhere. And it's just amazing. It's entertaining, I suppose. But aren't we, like, numb to this stuff by now? We're fighting in the Waffle House. We're fighting at Denny's. 
we're fighting it. Five guys, we're fighting it. McDonald's. I think I saw a fight uh, on Mother's Day in a Red Lobster. Full-out fight. I'd love it if someone would call me and just give me five places right now in this country where you would not see a fight. Can anyone come up with that? Five places in this country right now where you are guaranteed you will not see a fight. I don't know that I can come up with it. Fighting in courthouses. We're fighting in school. That's for damn sure. That's a daily occurrence. But that, you know, dates back to my days. But on top of that, we're fighting administrators. We're fighting principals. We're fighting teachers. I mean, yesterday I saw a female teacher just wasn't having it. Female student was trying to give it a business, and she just was not at all having it. I mean, a complete and full beatdown. She just said, I don't need this job. And because at this time I've decided I don't need this job, this child right here is going to get the best of me. And I mean, she gave it to her. Punches, hair pulling, thrown to the floor, drop kicked. Oh, it was full out. And uh, that's what we're getting a face full of social media. Of course, since the incident last week, uh, we're getting a ton of police brutality. And uh, we're getting a ton of kids acting up in school. I guess everyone trying to show how right they are. In the meantime, we're all the big losers in this sweepstakes, but I'm not going to get on my soapbox today. I've done a bunch of that on Facebook. If you follow me on Facebook, I've more than shared my opinion on that whole deal. But we are angrier ever than ever before. I know there's some football teams out there that need to get angry. And in the NFL, I think our Miami Dolphins down here need to get angry, need to battle back from uh, that loss that they sustained last week. It was an expected loss. I mean, no one really expected the Miami Dolphins to go up to Foxborough and win with one day to prepare for it, not enough days of rest. So, but they do need to get angry uh, against this Buffalo Bills team that beat them earlier this year. Loser firm, firmly has a grip on last place in the AFC East and is probably looking at not uh, participating in the postseason this year. First team to three and five in this division, probably not going to make it to the playoffs. Although things are pretty tight there below the New England Patriots. Jets sitting at four and three, Bills at three and four, Dolphins at three and four. And like I said, loser of the uh, Dolphins-Bills game, which is in uh, Buffalo, will be your for sure last place team in the AFC East. Uh, Baltimore Ravens need to get angry. Ray Lewis giving them a pep talk last week before the game. It worked out for them. They picked up the win. But right now at 2-6 and six in a division in which the leader is undefeated, the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens need to get pissed off real soon. Tennessee Titans got pissed off and fired their head coach. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do. Again, going into the season, Emil and I, we always do a preview and give you like some predictions for what teams are going to do this year. Neither one of us had a, a pretty good prognosis for the Tennessee Titans. Look at their roster, okay? Who's the general manager? Who's making calls over there? They've got nothing on that roster. I mean, why does it take so long to fire some general managers? What's up with that? 
Some of these creeps got to be, you know, you got to let these guys go. Why do they still have jobs? It's ridiculous. The common fan who's not a fan of the Tennessee Titans can't name four players on that team. How the hell are you going to win games? Come on, man. But, you know, Tennessee needs to get mad, but they can't and they won't. And if they got mad, there isn't anything they could do about it. San Diego Chargers, get mad. You got a good quarterback, good tight end, a couple of decent running backs, decent defense. What are you doing at 2-6? and six? What's going on there? Mike McCoy, my former college teammate at Long Beach State. Let's go, Mike. Pick it up. San Diego Chargers need to get pissed off. Dallas Cowboys, they can get mad, but they uh, need some guys back, mainly Tony Romo, because the uh, replacements for Tony Romo have been a disaster. Brandon Whedon and uh, this Castle guy, not getting it done at all. For you uh, Cowboys fans who weren't sure if Tony Romo was your guy and you made fun of him, ooh, the apologies. Someone, yeah, I mean, you guys need to go to Hallmark, start sending that guy I'm sorry letters. Tony Romo is the Dallas Cowboys. Please recognize that. Please realize that. Jerry Jones, draft yourself a quarterback next year. And my co-host, Amo Calamino, makes a great point when, when he says you should probably draft a quarterback every year. I mean, that makes complete and total sense. Draft a guy every year, even when you have your guy at quarterback. I'm not saying draft a first-rounder when you've got, uh, you know, when you're very solid at the position. I mean, the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots don't need to draft a first-round quarterback every year, you know, but take a flyer on a fourth-rounder or a fifth-rounder. And if your fourth-rounder and fifth-rounder this year is better than the guy you got in that similar round the year before, replace him. You're not paying him a bunch of money. But, hey, maybe if you keep doing that, you're going to end up with a pretty solid fourth or fifth rounder that could come in in one of these situations here where you've lost your quarterback. And, you know, a guy can step in, and it's not a complete and total disaster. The Cowboys have not won since Tony Romo went down. Five straight they've lost. And, you know, had you had a rookie that had grown up in the system over the last four or five years, you might have a guy that could go in there and hold it down and keep it together. So my co-host is right. Draft a quarterback every year, not a bad strategy. Hell, you're going to cut most of those guys you take after the fourth, fifth round anyway. And cut all, you know, cut a good amount of those free agents. Take a shot at a quarterback. I like that strategy. I bet the Cowboys wish they'd done that now. Is Brandon Whedon? Nah. Castle? Mm, not getting it done. So maybe not a bad strategy. The Detroit Lions are beyond getting angry. I don't know if that's going to do anything for them. Chicago Bears, Jay Cutler doesn't care. is not been angry about anything in a long time. He's got that same I-don't-give-a-F attitude made me a fan of his and before you go getting all crazy about it I'm a fan of the guy because he every year has shown every year he's been in the league he has shown you like I don't care I don't give a damn about any of this winning stuff and every year they give him a contract so I'm not going to get mad at that guy I'm going to get mad at the general managers and the coaches that keep taking this guy on board and continue to keep him 
Several years ago, the Chicago Bears had Luke McCown, one of them McCown boys, and he was doing a great job tossing the ball to Bennett and Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Forte did an outstanding job when Cutler went down. When Cutler came back, job went right back to Cutler. I understand there might have been some financial ramifications to getting rid of Jay Cutler. Take the penalties, man. Drop that guy. It's for the future of your franchise and your and your team. Bite the bullet. Cutler should not have gotten that job back. But you gave it to him, and so he gives you what he gives you. Bears 2-5. and five. We're in a situation here where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a rookie quarterback, they have a better record than the San Francisco 49ers, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, and the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC. Huh? Did you hear what I just said? That's amazing. Jameis Winston's having a decent season. I did say he would be the NFL Rookie of the Year, and he would be in contention were it not for what Todd Gurley has done since getting on the field for the St. Louis Rams. I made my plea earlier this this week to the St. Louis Rams to get a competent quarterback. Nick Foles is not it. I still say in the absence of anything else, Case Keenum is a guy that I think the Rams should have given a legitimate shot to. You went and paid some money for Nick Foles, basically, by just flip-flopping him with Sam Bradford, who's equally dreadful. You bring Nick Foles in, and he can't bust a grape. If you can't quarterback this squad with what you're getting out of your running game and defense, then you're pathetic. Nick Foles not good. I mean, while you're dumping on Andrew Luck, and yeah, he probably deserves some criticism, I guess, Nick Foles has been around longer, man, and he's just not getting it done over there for the Rams. And the Rams, again, are wasting a great opportunity here with uh, a great defense and now an outstanding back. If the Rams come back next year with Nick Foles, shame on them. Shame, shame on them. So a lot of teams that need to get mad around here. I'm not going to get mad. I am going to get uh, missing on a break here. When I get back, we'll talk some more NFL and college football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I'll be back right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heavens. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. 
But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Get a grip. Where you get that from? Because somebody told us it. Don't go there with me. You want to keep it real, you keep it real with me. Because I ain't for no game, okay? Here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Thursday edition. Before the rejoin, that was uh, the lovely Ann Iverson, mom of Alan Iverson, just really telling it how it is. Don't go there with me. You keep it real with me. I keep it real with you. You just got to keep it real. And that's what uh, I aim to do here on this show and my co-host, Emil Calamino, when he's on. We aim to keep it real. And uh, we've kept it real on a lot of things here. Sometimes people don't like it. That's uh, too bad if you don't like it. Someone tell me who Sarah Spain is. You can reach me on Twitter with that or call in. Who the hell is Sarah Spain? She's uh, on the uh, Dan Lebertard show right now. Uh, Heavily made up and not in a uh, particularly uh, common way. A star over her eye uh, with... Mascara, I guess. Giving opinions on sports. Just want to know who she is. Just throwing that out there to my peeps. Anyone watching, let me know who is Sarah Spain. I feel like I should know who that is, but I don't, unfortunately. So there's that. A couple of things out there. Uh, Butch Jones having an up-and-down season for Tennessee. Um, he's touched on a topic that I've been all over this college football season. I was last season. I'm on it even heavier this season. This targeting rule is complete and total, absolute nonsense. It's BS. Stop kicking kids out of the game for playing football. I mean, more and more of these things, they're, you're sending kids out, and there was no malicious intent. They just want to tackle a guy. Butch Jones wants an appeal process on these targeting penalties. I mean, and what's killing me is that a lot of these things are going up for review during the game, as I guess all of them have to be reviewed. And when even clearly, what are they looking at? What are these officials looking at? What are their instructions? What have they, what information or, or what instructions are they under when they go to these games? Clearly, it is not anything that any of us can comprehend. Because uh, time after time, I'm seeing players leading with their shoulder, um, sometimes not even making a, a contact to the helmet, either with the shoulder or their helmet, and it's being reviewed, and kids are still getting kicked out of games. What is the issue? What are we doing? I watched one live last week. As I was at the Florida and Georgia game, and amazingly, it happened with an offensive player on a defensive player. Jordan Cronkite for the Gators blocks someone from Georgia, throws his shoulder, I mean, barely touched the helmet, and he's kicked out of the game. 
And at the point in time in which he's kicked out of the game, it also means now he must miss the first half of the Vanderbilt game, a game in which he would, is certainly uh, supposed to see some action. No offense to Vanderbilt. What are we doing, NCAA? I mean, you could see the replay. It's on Vine. And I very well might. I think I'm going to put this. I'm going to tweet it right now. So for uh, all of my followers here, you get to see this one right now. I mean, and clearly... And if you could bear with me here, I'm tagging a little note on this. You're going to see that the Tennessee player that was called for targeting, clearly trying to lead with his shoulder, the the, the shoulder pad glances the face mask of the helmet. There is a review, and it's held up. What's going on? What are you guys doing? You finally come up with something decent, which is the playoff. And, you know, when you have a chance to be all right, you got this stupid rule. You got to get rid of it. Got to get rid of it. This idiotic rule was brought into being in uh, February 2014. um, In which they said they would remove the 15-yard penalty if the targeting is overturned on replay. But there has been a a litany of poor targeting calls upheld this season. And uh, what Butch Jones wants is in an appeal process, if you can have this looked at by someone other than the morons that are upstairs in the stadium upholding these stupid calls, can you during the week have some kind of an appeals process and not take away the next half of a game, which is an atrocity for a kid who didn't target And Butch Jones is right. When you have, when you've set up suspensions like this, there should be some kind of an appeal process. And I can go through a list, and I won't, of uh, bad calls that you've had with targeting this year. I mean, Miami got a couple of them in one game, lost both safeties on some BS. Rich Rodriguez, he went nuts a couple weeks ago. You know, and it you know it wasn't even about his team. Talking about a Michigan player. So listen, NCAA, do yourself a good big old favor. Come on, clean up this whole. Get rid of that targeting thing. Get rid of the part. You know what? You want to do the 15 yard penalty? We'll just stomach it. We're still going to complain. There's no doubt because you guys aren't getting it right. Clearly, obviously, even off of replay. But stop kicking kids out of the game. Stop it. That's got to end now, immediately, if not sooner. Kill that noise. Hey, they want Mark Rich's job out there in Georgia. They're tired of it. Tired of not being uh, on the top of the college football world. I don't know where I stand on that. I guess a fan base has a right. You know, they have a right to want to, you know, have an opportunity to sit atop the college football world. I get it. I understand it. I'm sure P. 
people need to realize now that, you know, building a dynasty in this day and age of college football where the talent gets spread out, difficult to build a dynasty. You can't stockpile talent anymore. One or two teams in the country are going to be able to do that. And uh, typically when when they do that, uh, people start... Wondering exactly how, and I think you know what I mean by that. But it's uh, difficult. It's difficult to do that now. Kids aren't willing to come and sit on the bench for any significant amount of time to wait for their time to play. That's just not what college football is anymore. So, um, you know, thinking you're going to get rid of a guy and bring in another guy who's going to get you two championships in three years or three championships in five years, it's not realistic at all. At all. You have to make the perfect hire. You know how that whole perfect thing goes. So be careful what you wish for. Mark Rick, yes, hasn't brought you a championship. I get it. I understand it. I, you know, I feel you on that. But he's had Georgia in the mix every year. You've had meaningful season after meaningful season. He's putting players in the pros. He has a good message. He's developing fine young men. Is that stuff like not enough anymore or I don't know. And if you're Georgia, who you getting? Kirby Smart, excellent defensive coordinator. Do we know that he can be a top-flight college football head coach? We don't know that. And Kirby Smart, someone I've had a chance to meet personally and speak with. An impressive individual, no doubt about it, but there's no guarantees there. Again, building a dynasty in college football is harder now than ever before because the talent is spreading out. And talent is going to the FCS. Have you noticed FCS schools in the beginning of the year coming up and playing FBS teams and giving them all hell, if not just flat-out beating them? That stuff didn't go on when I was younger. You were an FCS school, which was known as Division One AA back then, and you played one of these teams from the traditional uh, Power Five conferences, you got your head handed to you on Saturday. It was over quickly. I mean, you were on the wrong side of... You were behind the woodshed. Now, I mean, no, you don't necessarily go to the woodshed now. You're out there duking it out right there in front of the the front house. So, you Georgia fans that are upset with uh, your head coach and want him out of there, Careful what you wish for, man. You don't know what's coming in there next. You could go through, uh, uh, you know, a period here where you have 10, 15 years of a revolving door at coach and some really, really non-impressive seasons, and then you'll be wishing you had them back. I mean, people chased Philip Fulmer out of Tennessee. What's happened there since? And Butch Jones is a really good coach. But it is difficult so really think about what you're doing out there you folks out there in uh good old georgia that won a championship and you want your championship right now hey the uh trend this year not only in college football but in the nfl is uh coach leaving in the middle of the season retiring not waiting till the end of the year or getting fired in the middle of the year. And, you know, it, you know, I think it was kind of a chain effect. 
when you get one or two that are fired in the middle of the season, other schools that were thinking about getting rid of a guy go ahead and do it because they want to have the freedom now to go start contacting the guys that they think would be good here. Chip Kelly, a name flying around everywhere, and despite being uh, employed at another school that pays him handsomely, Charlie Strong's name is uh, hot and heavy for a number of these openings. I always find that amusing when that happens. I wonder if Charlie would be willing to slice $2 million off of his annual salary to go coach somewhere else. 2 or $3 million. I wonder. His name's coming up on everything. And these places that they're uh, attaching his name to can by no way, shape, or form pay him what Texas is paying him. Now, for Charlie, he's got to you know ask himself, how long am I going to be able to hold this Texas job, and could I now get bounced? And uh, instead of ending up at another place where I've got a shot to win, I sit here with Texas and things don't turn around in the manner and fashion and in the amount of time that people want, I end up now uh, jobless. Sure, you're going to get paid, but he's young in his career. So just getting paid is not enough because when the money runs out, you're going to need another job. And that's the reality that is facing Charlie Strong right now. And as long as his name keeps getting bandied about for these other jobs and he has to consider these things, I think it's going to be difficult for Texas to win football games this current season that they're in. I mean, look what happened last week. There's no reason for Iowa State beating Texas 24 to nothing. And this is going to start plaguing some of these other coaches. And I'm telling you, a good barometer for trying to determine whether or not a coach really is a candidate or is thinking about it is watch how their team is performing. And based on what I saw last week with Texas and Ohio, uh, Iowa State and the way that game went down and it being 24 nothing, I'm, I'm leaning to the side of Charlie Strong's thinking of jumping out of Texas. It's on his mind. Whether or not he's going to do it is another thing, but it's on his mind because it is a healthy distraction. We see it every year. During bowl time, because this is typically when coaches lose their job, this is one of those rare years where uh, guys are out of there in the middle of the season. It may become the norm down the road, but this is the, you know, a little bit out of the ordinary, the number of jobs that have come open in the middle of the season. And when you start talking about guys who are currently playing, coaching at another place, it's a big distraction, and oftentimes you'll see those teams going south. Definitely something for you uh, fans out there to keep an eye on. And if you have a coach that you care about that's and his name is coming up in uh, a lot of these um, coaching searches, I'm telling you, you should be a little nervous about it. Because it, it's not long before it starts to take effect. You want another guy? Look at what's going on in Arizona. Okay? Pay attention to Arizona. Because Rich Rodriguez's name is everywhere. And what's gone on the last two, three weeks in Arizona? Absolutely nothing to write home. Nothing that you care to talk about if you're an Arizona Wildcat fan. Last week, okay? I'm giving you the clues here. I hope you folks out there are listening. Last week, Texas went out and got stomped by Iowa State, 24 to nothing. 
And you know what Arizona did? They got beat 49 to 3 by Washington. Are you going to tell me that Washington is 46 points better than Arizona? No. Week before that, at home, Arizona loses to Washington State. I mean, Washington State's an improved team. But should they be beating Arizona on the road? No. Week before that, Arizona's in a dogfight with Colorado. I'm telling you right now, Rich Rodriguez, thinking about some of these other job openings, seriously entertaining some of these uh, possible offers coming his way. Start paying attention to these guys whose names are popping up. One guy who kind of seems to be immune to all this, whose name is kind of everywhere, is uh, Tom Hernan from Houston. Maybe he is going to try and stay there. and uh, Maybe he will say, you know what, I haven't been in this whole head coaching thing long enough to uh, be jumping on a, another another job. That might be the thoughts of Tom Herman. Just got here. Let me figure this thing out. It looks like I'm doing well here, but maybe I need a little more seasoning before I go jump into one of these big-time jobs and uh, get my head flown like a Frisbee. But what's our list? I need to make a list. You know, I wish I could do this during the break. Let's make a list of some of these coaches whose names are popping up for jobs that are open and just start watching what their teams are doing each week. I promise you, I've been I've been watching football as I've told you guys on Twitter a couple months ago. Been watching football in I've watched football in five different decades. 70s, 80s, 90s, 1000s and now the the, the whatever this decade is. The 2010 decade and that's never changed coaches who are considering other jobs um, have always kind of taken a dump with the team that they're with it's difficult some things off the presses in terms of coaching Purdue's going to bring back Daryl Hazel man you listen kudos to Purdue knowing what they are Yes, Purdue has not done a lot of winning, 6-26 and 26 in Hazel's three seasons there. But I've seen some improvement. I've seen them trying to fight. Purdue's Purdue, man. You guys over there at Purdue, you're a Purdue fan, Purdue alumni. I mean, it's rare that you guys are ready to bang with some of the big boys. But, hey, they go out, they beat Nebraska 55-45 at this point in the season. The fact that they're still fighting despite their record tells me, um, yeah, it's a guy you probably want to hang on to. How about this interesting note? Everyone's, uh, you know, by now you know that Pep Hamilton has been fired as the uh, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He's the scapegoat. They found a guy. He fell on the sword. Who's been promoted to the play caller for Indianapolis? None other than Rob Chudzinski, a guy whose name that's been bandied about quite a bit for the Open University of Miami job. Not only is he uh, being promoted, uh, there's a lot of talk that he is going to be considered as a potential successor to head coach Chuck Pagano. And a report from Jason Cole, Bleacher Report, and you can believe that or not believe it, 
that Chudzinski uh, will not entertain the possibility of being the University of Miami football coach until after the season's over with the Colts. I wonder if Chudzinski really wants to stay in the NFL. I wonder if that's his deal. Nevertheless, his name's out there. And uh, with that being a factor for him, he must also now juggle the whole, uh, he's going to be a play caller for a Colts team that's struggling. I mean, yeah, you got rid of Pep Hamilton. You made Pep Hamilton the scapegoat. And now you're walking Chudzinski into this thing. And uh, he now has to deal with an underperforming quarterback, a offensive line that could be described as one of the worst in the NFL, some uh, aging uh, veterans that are on their last string here, don't have a big-time running back. Your defense is not really interested in stopping people. Uh, but now you're the play caller. It's going to be difficult for Rob Chazinski to shine in that particular situation. Now, what happens, though, if he gets in there and things immediately turn around for the Indianapolis Colts? Does he now firmly uh, become entrenched as the offensive coordinator? Do they seriously think about making him the head coach? and get rid of Pagano, which is amazing to me because all Pagano has done in his time there with the Indianapolis Colts is win 11 games a season. First time there's a struggle and they're looking to get rid of the guy. I mean, this is a tough business. But if Chizinski goes in there and things immediately turn around and he looks really, really great, I don't think he's coming to the University of Miami. I think he's going to want to stay in that offensive coordinator position and also position himself to be a head coach in this in the NFL. I think he'd probably take that over a University of Miami job. I'm, you know, could be wrong on that, but I'm I'm thinking that's that's where he'd be going with this. Uh there's some things there that you need to pay attention to. College football and NFL football fans. Jerry Kill at Minnesota steps down because of his health issues. We know about uh, the seizures that he's had. Um, It was his decision, obviously, but one that was um, pushed forward because of his health issues. Here's the deal. His salary for 2015 was set to be $2.5 million, and he had $10.6 million remaining on his full deal Minnesota is only going to pay him 800000 I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Now, Kill not making a big deal out of it. One of these guys, it's not, it's not all about money for him. But just as a fan, I don't know how many Minnesota fans we have out there. Just what do you think about $10.6 million remaining on his deal and Minnesota uh, only going to pay him 800000 Cool or no? What do you guys think on that? Speaking of uh, buyouts, uh, former Hawaii head coach, yes, they're still playing football over there in Hawaii. Norm Chow, uh, he has some money on his buyout. Just look, evidence that this is not big-time football in Hawaii. 
his buyout, they owe him three hundred and thirty seven thousand dollars. Three hundred thirty seven four ninety nine to be exact. That's the buyout for Norm Chow, who was recently let go. I mean, they're even getting rid of the head coach at Hawaii in the middle of the season. I mean, you think they're playing around in college football? The head coach at Hawaii gets released in the middle of his season. What's the pressure to win at Hawaii? I don't have any Hawaii listeners because it's probably 1 a.m. over there. But if anyone out there is familiar with the Hawaii program, feel free to call in and let me know what type of pressure is a head coach under over there. Now, granted, Norm Chow, who many, many people wanted to be a head coach, felt like it was his time. He had spent so much time as a coordinator. Listen, folks, when you, for a lifetime, for a lifetime, been a coordinator, uh, it's difficult now to step into that head coaching role. Uh, role. I mean, it's nice and all, hey, you're being rewarded for your years of service. Man, look, when you're that long as a coordinator, very difficult now to go change your hat. I mean, if you truly want to be successful at this thing, at this thing you make that move earlier in your career. Not, you know, And it's not like Norm Chow had you know, that option available to him. I, people weren't offering him head coaching jobs. And it took him as a long-time offensive coordinator with success at the many places that he had been for someone to realize that he should be given an opportunity. I get it. I understand it. But after a couple decades plus as a coordinator, um, decks kind of stacked against you in terms of having success as a head football coach. And I think that's what happened to Norm Chown. It's not like he got the greatest job in the world. Tough to win in Hawaii. There's a lot of great things you could do in Hawaii. Winning football games is not uh, one of those easy things that you're going to be able to accomplish. And under Norm Chow, the Hawaii Rainbows were 10 and 36 in his four years. So he's out of there. Guess who's looking to get that job? It might be only one candidate, and he is putting in for it, apparently, and that's June Jones. Apparently will be applying for the job. I don't think he ever left the island. He was one of the more, if most successful, coaches in Hawaii's history. Went 76 and 41 in nine years. And uh, did manage to get the Rainbows to the Sugar Bowl in his final season. Then he moved on to SMU, where he tried to bring them back from the depths of hell was not particularly successful in doing so. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I get back, expecting to have Nick Delatore on from Gator Country to talk Florida Gators football as they try to wrap up the SEC East and uh, get a trip to Atlanta this Saturday when they battle Vanderbilt. We'll be back to talk about it and more on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? 
The Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner. And you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. the Gridiron Stud Show, Thursday edition. Uh, I just posted a very interesting article up here on Twitter for you folks to read regarding the uh, Georgia Bulldogs 
coaching situation. Uh, the noise is getting very, very loud there in Athens about Mark Rick. But an interesting part to this story was uh, just what Jeremy Pruitt's uh, arrival has uh, brought to the table. And it's not uh, flattering for Mr. Pruitt, who I'm not particularly a fan of. Um, you know, I've found him to be rather pompous in a couple of times that I've met him. And I think he's a guy who hasn't really um, hasn't really toiled his time in the coaching profession to uh, have such this high opinion of himself. And apparently in the article it says that he came in there and hired four coaches himself. Just went in there and kind of took over, including the weight coach. Like, who are you <laughs> to be doing that? And why did Mark Richt allow that? Like, hey, chill out, Jeremy Pruitt. Sit down. I hired you as a defensive coordinator to coordinate and relax on all this other stuff. Mr. Former High School football coach who uh, ran up the flagpole uh, really a little too fast, lucked out, jumped into a uh, very talented Florida State defense, and suddenly you think you're one of the power brokers in college football. Just my opinion, throwing it out there. It is a tough one. It is a strong one. But um, what Ann Iverson say, we're going to keep it real around here. All right, another guy I've got on to uh, keep things real for me is uh, my next guest, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. How you doing, man? Dropped a strong opinion there on Georgia and uh, Mr. Pruitt. Had to do yeah, it. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's a little hot in here. I'm uh, <laughs> bringing some heat. That's uh, that's Andrew Spivey's boy from Alabama. Yeah, look, yeah. man. Tell, tell Spive, Spivester, I'm sorry, just not a big fan of Pruitt, man. Really pompous, really uh, has a, a super amazing high opinion of himself. And to be honest with you, other than that one season there with Florida State, what have you done, buddy? What have you done? Mm-hmm. You were just a high school football coach. Like, calm down. You got guys that have been in this profession that have been performing for decades. Why don't you have a seat and chill out? Nevertheless, he probably cost uh, – I think what they're going to do over there is they're either removing Rick, which means you remove Pruitt, or you're removing Pruitt and you keep Rick. But then I just don't think Jeremy Pruitt's back in Georgia again next year. Just my opinion. But we're here to talk well, about football, right? Yeah, well, let's talk Gators, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we know what's at stake this weekend. Um, obviously, big, big thing. Uh, it's college football. Anything can happen, as we saw with uh, 100 laterals for the uh, Miami Hurricanes last week in an improbable win. Is there anything for us to worry about if we're a Florida Gators fan heading into this game with Vanderbilt with uh, just about everything on the table here? Um, I, I would say the only thing that you would need to worry about is the, the rushing game. So Vanderbilt, um, for their record, uh, which is not great, uh, is a good rush defense. Uh, Florida is, is probably going to be without left tackle David Sharp, so you now you need mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. shuffle some things. Uh, the Gators did a really good job of running the ball against Georgia, uh, their best um, statistical game of the year. Now, if you're trying to shuffle pieces, starting a true freshman and Fred Johnson at right tackle, sliding Mason Halter over, you're just shuffling a lot of pieces. It, it seemed like maybe the offensive line had something to build on from the mm-hmm. Georgia game, and now you're mm-hmm. kind of moving things around and going up against a good Vanderbilt rush defense. Um, but really, that that's kind of it. Um, you know, Houston had no problem moving the ball and scoring on Vanderbilt last week. Um, this is mm-hmm. obviously different because. Uh, it's an SEC game, um, but to me, that's really the only area where you know I, I kind of wonder is is Florida going to be successful here running the ball? 
Yeah, um, any chance for a letdown? I will say this. Um, one of the best things Jim McElwain has done in his first season here with the Florida Gators is getting these guys mentally prepared for each week's game. There's no looking ahead. There's been no looking behind. There's been no overlooking the guys in front of them. Can he continue to do this uh, with Vanderbilt being the team standing in front of them and their destiny, which is Atlanta? Yeah, and what I really think is, you know, in, in the in the PC world we live in of nameless, faceless opponents, um, I, I really enjoy how McElwain is kind of letting the guys embrace the moment. So in keeping with that, like next game is our most important game, he's still not downplaying, hey, Georgia's more important because that's a rivalry game. And a rivalry game means more to the fans, to the football program, and it should mean more to you. So in 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 keeping that each game is the most important one because it's next on the schedule, he's not downplaying the moment. And the moment this week mm-hmm. is, sure, it might be Vanderbilt. Um, they might be, you know, the worst team in the SEC East. But you're 60 minutes away from going to Atlanta. Every year when the University of Florida, uh, you know, breaks fall camp, the goal is to get to Atlanta you're 60 minutes away from that. So he's not shying away from that. He's not shying away from uh, being ranked in the college football playoff standings. Um, you know, he frankly said that's where Florida should be. So I think he's, mm-hmm. he's impressing on the players the importance of each week, and, he, and he's finding a new motivational tactic for each game. All right, so let's you and I play this game because this is the beauty of college football. Um, I, I, about three years ago, had an elaborate project that I set up where I put all of college football's FBS teams into divisions and conferences, and it was the neatest thing you've ever seen from someone who doesn't uh, was not trained as an accountant. I mean, this was neat. I got to give myself a pat on the back. A beautiful thing put together, complete with playoff scenarios and how we'd go through the playoffs and scheduling everything. A great project, uh, something I deserve an A for. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, uh, that would be great because it'd be kind of like the NFL. It'd be fair, I guess. But what we have is a college football playoff, and it excludes teams that should possibly be in it every year. And there's rankings, and that what it does for college football is that it keeps people talking about it, keeps people debating about it, and it keeps college football on the tips of everyone's tongue. So um, you and I are going to do that, Florida. Lost one game this season on the road, basically on a trick play by LSU, a team highly, highly ranked in the top four. Alabama lost a game this year at home. Oh, no. Was it at home? Did they lose that game to Ole Miss at home? Yes. Comfortably, I might add. Yeah, they they turned the ball over five times, um, um, Mm -hmm. lost to Ole Miss. It was the first time Ole Miss had ever beaten Alabama. Um, in consecutive years as well. Alabama, ranked number four. Florida Gators, ranked 10th. Explain that to me. You know, uh, the the committee tried to say that uh, in a common opponent in Georgia, that Alabama had a more impressive win because it was at Georgia. uh, Grayson Lambert, who is technically the starter, was still playing. Uh, Nick Chubb was still playing. Um, I, I get the Chubb factor because he was not there against Florida. But Grayson Lambert, you, you can't take points away from Florida because Grayson Lambert, it wasn't an injury that took him out. It was because he was playing terribly. That's, that's what took him out. So, yeah. so to say that, that Florida 
played a lesser quarterback? Well, maybe they did, but the guy that wasn't playing earned that spot on the bench because of the way he played. So to me, it, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you've got, I think Florida's loss is more impressive um, in that it be, basically is just a fake field goal away from winning on the road. So uh, I don't understand. With, I, with I their backup Alabama quarterback score. in that game. Their backup quarterback <laughs> in that game. The backup quarterback in the Georgia game that they're drawing comparisons. Right, and, that, and that's also true. And maybe the maybe the committee took into fact with Florida that uh, that Florida will be without Will Greer for the rest of the year. Um, mm. I, I like that the committee takes all these kind of factors into effect. I know Ohio State um, got hammered last year uh, with their quarterback situation, and they ended up coming back and making it into the, the Final Four. But to me, Alabama is ranked number four right now on, on a name basis only. Um, mm. they, are, are they the fourth best team in the country? Maybe. Can you put other teams ahead of them based on that schedule, who they've beaten, um, how the games have looked? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple teams that could be ahead of Alabama. Um, and obviously Alabama will have a chance to you know, change that this weekend. But right now, for the first ranking, I don't think Alabama should be four. And I don't know how you have them six spots ahead of Florida. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that would be my biz- biggest, you know, issue there. Okay, maybe maybe Alabama is ahead of Florida, but six spots, based on what we've mm-hmm. just laid out here and talked about, seems uh, kind of crazy to me. But, hey, there's a big one at 8 o'clock on Saturday night that's going to shake up things a little bit. Do you see a scenario, and I know, you know, probably a lot of Gator fans and Gator media have played it out, a uh, situation where if Florida were to win out, they'd find themselves in that top four, or do you see something there where they could get themselves locked out? Oh, no, no. If, if Florida wins out, um, you know, you're looking at uh, three okay wins with Vanderbilt, South Carolina, FAU. Um, a win over FSU uh, would look very good to the committee. And then you're going to either beat Ole Miss, LSU, or Alabama in the SEC championship. If Florida wins out, they will be one of the top four teams and, and earn a playoff spot. Um, any loss in any of those next upcoming games, and Florida's out. But if Florida ran the table, uh, won the SEC championship, there's no way you hold them out of a, of a top four spot. Yeah, uh, certainly something to see. Do Florida Gator fans realize that they uh, probably need to be Florida State fans? this Saturday? Do they realize that? And how would that make them feel? <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's a couple teams that almost no matter what the scenario is, you can't root for them. And, and I think <laughs> Florida Gator fans, uh, that's how they feel about Florida State fans. They might root less hard for Clemson this Saturday, mm-hmm. but they certainly uh, you know, won't be putting on their, orange, uh, their garden and gold slippers. Uh, so we, we've got a situation where, all right, we're good either way, whatever happens in that game. Clemson wins, yeah, hell yeah. Florida State loses again. Florida State wins, well, all right, fine. We're going to get a highly higher-ranked Florida right. State team uh, into Gainesville. So uh, I get it. One last thing before you go. I'm just looking here on Twitter at an article uh, with a headline from from uh, you know, another another website. Um, and it says Benjamin Victor admitted he was set to commit to Florida back in June. Now he's wide open. Any ideas to what happened there, why he didn't commit, and now uh, why is he so wide open and by all accounts leaning towards an Ohio State? What happened there? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting when you follow uh, what recruits tweet. I don't really follow what they say on Twitter. I kind of follow mm. their visits uh, and things like that. I definitely think Victor was ready to commit earlier in the year. We kind of expected him to, um, and then he backed off of it. And, and I'm not sure why he backed off. Whether it was um, he got spooked, didn't want to, you know, commit so early, and then still have coaches mm. coming after him. Um, I wouldn't say that he's leaning towards Ohio State right now. I, I think Florida's still uh, absolutely in their form. They just need to get him mm-hmm. back on campus. Um, get him back mm-hmm. on campus. Let him see the offense for himself. Let him get around some of the guys. Um, he's definitely a guy that is still very high up there for Florida, someone that mm-hmm. Jim McElwain uh, and Doug, Mus- uh, Doug Nussmeyer really want in Gainesville, and, and they've made him a priority. So I, I definitely think he knows that, that he's a priority for Florida. Um, mm. it's just a matter of getting him back up to campus and, and getting him around the coaches because uh, a face-to-face with a coach is better than a DM or, you know, a weekly phone call. Um, so so that's the part that Florida just needs to do is just get back into a, a face-to-face situation with him. Yeah, uh, well, something that uh, I'm sure Florida Gators fans are going to be watching um, with all types of, um, interest as uh, we get down mm-hmm. to the nitty-gritty in, in, in recruiting coming up here in the next following months. Well, Nick, as always, appreciate you coming on and talking Florida Gators football with us, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Nick Delatore with GatorCountry.com talking about the Florida Gators uh, game this weekend against Vanderbilt at noon, and uh, it's basically for a trip to Atlanta. Who you know? Who would have guessed? First of all, that Florida would be in this position. One, two, that Vanderbilt of all people would be standing in the way of uh, of of a trip to uh, play. Who knows in the West uh, in the SEC championship game in Atlanta? College football is a very weird weird thing. All right. Well, listen. From the Florida Gators, we're going to head over and talk Florida State football with my next guest, Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation. But I don't know if you were listening, but uh, I had a little bit of a scathing review of your former defensive coordinator over there at Florida State, and uh, he goes by the name of Jeremy Pruitt. Nice article. Yeah, Yeah, that was curious. I've had a couple of chances to meet him, man, and it just, to me, just comes off as a really pompous guy. I mean, it. As listen, we all need to have confidence in life, but like um, a little overboard with him. You know, uh, well, almost to a little level of disrespect, to be honest with you, to guys who've been in this profession and have accomplished more and have been in it longer than him. Just, just my little opinion here, off to the side. You know, with with, with Jeremy, um, he he was a high school coach, and then mm-hmm. he was an Alabama coach under mm-hmm. Nick. And so I think, mm-hmm. in, in part, I think that I'm not going to say ruined him, but it certainly sort of jaded him, and and, and not. Not everywhere, and really not anywhere is like Alabama in terms of the amount of support you get. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it. You don't have seven or eight recruiting assistants uh, at, at every school. You know, you don't have four or five like retired defensive coordinators who happen to be on your staff just breaking down mm-hmm. tape and tendency as uh, quote unquote consultants. You know, right. And so when when he got to Porter State, my sources told me he he made a lot of noise about, you know, wanting more stuff like that. And, and it wasn't all that dissimilar uh, to Timo Fisher wanting that when he took over the job. But I think the the way with which you deliver the request really matters, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. 
think any of us who are married uh, really understand that. It's, it's not always what you're asking for. It's, it's, it's how you're asking. And, uh, yeah, and I feel I'm, like I'm going to let, let you run with that part of it. Yeah. So, okay, you know, and uh, and I think when he got to Georgia, you know, b- being under a guy who was not a saving guy, I mean, at least Fisher understood what, what, what Pruitt wanted. I think being, you know, being under, there under Rick, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, that there's some staff uh, disagreements going on. It's, but he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. The, the, all the other parts of the job, though, if he wants to get where he wants to be as a head coach eventually, that, some of that stuff's going to have to change. Uh, I think so, and uh, maybe you would think he's on the road to being humbled. I, maybe not, but um, the understanding that I got from the article that I read was that uh, he came into Georgia and hired himself four coaches, including the weight coach. How's that even happen? Um, so uh, he's come in and been giving a little his, – his credit card has had a really high limit, and I think some guys that have been there for a little minute are looking at it like, who the hell is this guy? to come in here and uh, have this free run. So it's probably caused some friction there. And, you know, Pruitt strikes me as a type that would say, uh, who cares how you feel about it. So um, I know this, someone's not coming back. So it might be Jeremy Pruitt and uh, it might not be Rick. And if it's not Rick, I think Pruitt goes with him. So the yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any way that again. they, I, I, I don't think they would keep Pruitt and, and, and lose Rick. I, I think the, the better chance that, that they, they clean house totally. Yeah, yeah. So one way or another, it looks like so changes are coming here uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. But let's talk Florida State football. Um, you come back and you have yourself a big win last week, albeit against Syracuse. But, you know, in this college football game, the way it is these days, a, a win is a win is a win. And when you go out and put up 45 points, you got to feel good about it. Um, it was good to have the Travis Rudolph show. And listen, for several weeks now, we've seen the receiving staff starting to step up. Ever since people started questioning Lawrence Dossie, it seems like his guys have um, kind of kind of taken it to a new level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I feel like they've been playing better. They've had fewer drops. Um, you know, one thing that, that we saw last week is uh, maybe the kids have a little more confidence when they're not expecting to get blown up on every play. Um, you know, mm. they, they seem to play. They seem to play with a little more kind of get after itness. It, it, that's probably not a word. Um, and I we'll think part of that today can be attributed to. Yeah, there we go. It, it, it's it's a Thursday. I'm, I'm slogging through this week. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with Sean McGuire, look, Sean's not a great quarterback, and, and neither is Everett Golson, but he does get the ball out uh, on time, uh, much better than Golson did. And, and so we actually saw some receivers catch the ball in stride, which was kind of a new thing. And um, you know, it, it, I, I think McGuire. If if you're not going to run Golson a lot, and Golson gets you know gets banged up, so you, you kind of have this catch twenty two about running him. If you're not going to run him much, I think McGuire is is the better passing option. Um. So do we have a quarterback controversy? Like, what do you do? What do you do this week? Is now is is Golson available? And then what? How do you handle that whole situation? Uh, I, I don't think there's controversy at all. I, I think it's going to be McGuire, and I really don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, wow. Golson has been, has been taking some reps with, with, with the twos, and uh, I I think that staff's pretty much done with it. Okay. Um, I wonder how Golson's feeling about about that. Not that that even matters in big-time college football. It is what it is. You know, the guys make their decision, but – um, he certainly got to be running that through his mind. You know, I left Notre Dame, thought I hopped into something here, and here I am, a backup again, losing the job again. So, 
Um, he might. You might know be how starting Georgia. Happen. You know, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> they sure. He could probably still start at Georgia. McGuire's um, not bad. He's just not you know, great or, or even necessarily good. He's just kind of average. But Golson, mm-hmm. uh, I think, really, you know, the, hypothetically, the, the ceiling was higher with Golson if he would use his legs and, and if he would pick up the offense. But obviously the downside is greater, too, because uh, of what we've seen. He really hasn't picked up the offense. I mean, Jimbo had to just resort to calling a, a ton of screens and clear outs constantly for him. And, and better defenses are going to be able to take that away. Right, right. Well, listen, uh, there's a big one laying ahead right here. uh, And, you know, for the whole college football playoff thing, this is do or die. Uh, Probably for both of these teams, um, you know, I don't – do you envision a scenario where Clemson could lose this game and still find themselves um, in in the college football playoff? Not, not well. Uh, there are, of course, scenarios. I, I don't know how many of them are all that likely. You know, if it was last year, sure. Last year at this mm-hmm. time, we only had two undefeated teams for, from the major conferences. This year, I think we have what seven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that that's that, that, that's a big time difference right there. For Clemson to get in, I think you would have to probably have some. Uh, for instance, you, you would need Old Miss to win the SEC, right? Because Old Miss is sitting there with two losses and a loss in Memphis. Um, you know, Clemson, Clemson could go over a two-loss Old Miss team, that that type of scenario. But I don't know how likely that's going to happen. Old Miss seems to be kind of fading down the stretch here a little bit. Uh, Michigan State stayed undefeated. Ohio State's still undefeated, so you're probably going to have them. Uh, you're probably going to have a zero-loss team out of out, out of the Big Ten. Uh, it, it, it'd be tough. Clemson does need to win this game to go. And, and of course, Florida State, could they get in? If, if they beat Clemson and, and they beat Florida, Maybe I really don't think it's the national championship caliber team anyway, so I'm not really worrying about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they if they get to the playoff, I think they'd get stomped. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if they'd get stomped, but uh, probably a good chance they'd lose in, in that first round game. But you know, obviously on the players' mind and the fans' mind, that's what you you want to do every year. So uh, beating Clemson obviously is a is a, a big big deal here. Now, can they get that done? And to do so, what do you think are the three things Flor- uh, Florida State absolutely needs to get done to to win this game against what looks to be the best Clemson team since 1981? No, I, I have them losing by three by, by three touchdowns. Um, wow. I, I, this is yeah. Florida State is uh, the least healthy they've been all season. This is just not good timing uh, for this game. You know, Dalvin Cook's not healthy. Zach has Patrick apparently is not healthy. Uh, you know, Pender's still out with the collapsed lung. Um, Vickers is, is also dinged up. So, I think if you were going to beat Clemson, I mean, we, we could talk about what you know the. Upsets happen. I mean, they're they're only what mm. thirteen point underdogs at this point, so it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm. Vegas, that's like a fifteen percent shot. But mm. okay, so they they need to control the pace. Clemson, being the tempo team, wants to get up there. They want to run ninety something plays. Florida State would, would kind of prefer to see this be played in like the sixty or seventy play tempo. So if they had some running backs healthy, I'd be a little more confident about, about them being able to control the pace. Uh, they need to hit big plays. On throwing on first down with play action because Clemson really does sell out against the run on early mm-hmm. downs. And then defensively, you know, Florida State has a great corner tandem. The problem mm-hmm. is in the middle, you know, Nate Andrews, their strong safety, still dinged up. They're playing a walk-on at the nickelback spot. Uh, none of their linebackers can really cover anybody. We'll see if Terrence Smith is back and healthy this week and able to cover. Uh, they have to do a good enough job denying the middle 
and then win the one-on-one battle, that, that that's going to leave you on the outside edges with Marquez White and Jalen Ramsey. I, I think that's mm. how they get it done, plus turnovers and special teams. But, man, I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked. Uh, their, their injury list is going to, be, going to be a mile long. They're not going to have their right tackle. They're not going to have their center. They may not have their left guard. It's uh, the, wow. the, the timing on this the is not kind of year. good for FSU. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, they're they're still on pace to win nine or ten games, and and I think that's you mm. know, that's what what we said, and, and we got a lot of help for that, by the way. You're saying this is a nine or ten win team, not a eleven oh, yeah. team, but it, it's a super young team, and they had injuries in spots they couldn't afford to have. That's what happened. Yeah, uh, you know, no, no, no question. This is not what you needed to have happen. Uh, and Clemson's not a really big isolate guys on the outside kind of team. They really do a good job of attacking linebackers who are not used to, you know, covering and and all that. That's one of the beauty. Uh, that's the beauty of their offense. So, um, you know, having that great corner tandem is is good. I don't know if that's a big part of what Clemson does. What's the status on Dalvin Cook? Is he is he playing this football game? And and if not, what do we what can we expect from a Jacquez Patrick and the rest of the crew that needs to pick up the slack? Well, I, I think Cook is going to play. I, I don't know how many plays he's going to play. The, the ankle thing. A lot of FSU fans thought that was like a joke, and I told him I said that's that's not a joke. Like he actually he was seen walking around campus in, in, in the ankle boot as well. That that wasn't just Florida State saying, "Oh, he's got an ankle. We're going to arrest him." Um, Jacquez mm-hmm. Patrick apparently also a little dinged up. They actually have been repping. Kermit Whitfield at receiver or, or at, at running back. Kermit Whitfield, their kick returner uh, slash slot mm-hmm. receiver. So that's kind of the situation they're in. If you recall, you know Ryan Green uh, messed up his shoulder and was done for the year in the preseason. Pender is obviously still out with the collapsed lung complications. They're they're really hurting at running back. Yeah, um, and it's that's that they've just had a rash of injuries there. That's you know been unfortunate for them and. Um, not the time of year that you want to have that as things start getting a little serious. As you watch the – what are your thoughts on the first rankings that have come out for the college football playoffs? I know Florida State fans last year had a lot to say about it. Um, do you think there's a healthy respect for the ACC, and uh, where do you see some biases? Because, you know, I, I know a lot of people think uh, – have the, their thoughts about the rankings. are interested in what you think uh, is going on there. Well, I, I think that if I had a graph about an ACC team, I, I think you have to put North Carolina in the top 25. Uh, you know, they, they, they have one loss. It was a, a close loss thanks to their quarterback throwing three picks in the end zone to Sky Moore, uh, you know, kid I know you know. Mm. And uh, yeah. they, you know, they, they, they beat Pittsburgh, which, which is Pittsburgh's only other loss is at Iowa, 57-yard field goal at, at the gun. You know, they have some decent wins. They, they, they've blown some teams out. It's it's hard for me to understand how you have two and three lost teams over North Carolina, but overall, I, I think the committee did a decent job. You know, you, that we, we do our selection committee uh, picking every week on SB Nation, and the four that they had were the four that I had. Now the order mm-hmm. wasn't the same. I I think I had Clemson right. one, Ohio State two, LSU three, and 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 Bama four. But I I think those are the best four teams in college football. And uh, so I don't really have a major problem with, with, with the four, the top twenty-five, a few more problems. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that you'd find a, a, a bunch of fans who, you know, are not overboard with their own team, kind of disputing those top four, which you know are likely to change here over the next couple of weeks because so many things are going to happen. You've got two of those four teams battling this weekend, so, um, but you know, no one could argue against that. And, 
I don't know how up how up in arms are people going to be if you've got two SEC teams in there as everyone expected to happen last year. It looks like that could be a strong possibility this year, though. What do you think on that? It, it, it could. I think people would be somewhat up in arms because the SEC, it, I, I think most people would agree, is not as good this year. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. lost a, a fair number of non-conference games. Um, you know, Missouri looks terrible. Kentucky mm-hmm. looks terrible. Vanderbilt obviously lost at home to Western mm-hmm. Kentucky. Uh, Toledo took down Arkansas. So I, I think the, the the grind of the SEC thing this year is it's kind of a little more myth than fact when, when you look at a lot of these schools because they, they did last year. I mean, they didn't lose anybody non-conference. It, it was hard to dispute that. This year they have. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know, though. I, I, I think who's going to be angry here if, if things break the way that they could is Alabama fans. Alabama's sitting mm-hmm. right there, and they are in a spot just like TCU was last year. And then in the last week, well, TCU's not the conference champion. They dropped down to sixth. Alabama, right. if, if Ole Miss doesn't lose, Bama is not going to go to the conference championship game, and they're not going to be the conference champion. And we're not going to have, I, I don't think, uh, remember, this, this playoff committee was put together by the conferences, right? Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. not going to be too happy with taking a non-conference champion and putting and putting them in the top four over a, a conference champion. So that, that could be tough. Yeah, and that's going to continue to be a problem for the Big 12. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they realize it and they need to do something about that ASAP or they're going to be they're going to find themselves in this problem, if not uh, every year, every other year. So it's kind of on them, don't you think? I, I do. Uh, now, I, I think if, if Stanford uh, wins out, I think they're in easily as the Pac-12 champ with, with one loss. Um, you know, the Big Ten is probably going to send probably going to send an undefeated team. Uh, to be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Ohio mm-hmm. State doesn't play that many more losable games. Neither does Michigan State, and uh, in the Big Twelve, I, I, at the very least, they need to come out and say, "This is our champion." We don't have a co-champion, and the reason this team is the champion is because they won the head-to-head, like Baylor mm-hmm. beat exactly. TCU last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no doubt about it. They need to make that clear distinction and not have a, uh, you know, this, you know, think about this team or think about this team. They need to clearly come out and say it. Uh, and I know one of the, te- the whichever team that isn't is going to have a problem with it. But in the absence of a championship to truly say th- this is the team, uh, I think the spokespeople for them need to make it clear that we we recognize this team as being, you know, head and shoulders the the champ for this for this conference. So uh, they've been weakened by the fact that TCU and Baylor have both been equally as good uh, these last well, few years. Well, oh, so. for sure. And and you know the, the other part, part thing you're going to have come in here is. Who's the best non-conference game between TCU and Baylor? Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. You've got several Thank athletic you. directors on. They don't do like well the out of they on that committee. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, they've not done well scheduling outside of their conference. On top of the fact that people don't have a ton of respect for what goes on in that conference because no one seems like they could stop anyone. Um, that Texas Tech and Oklahoma State thing last week. Oh, I mean, I'm calling it a thing and lose. That's not football. I'm six seventy to sixty three. By the way. Um, oh, oh, they, they it, got another touchdown. I didn't realize that. Okay. Oh, there's wow. another touchdown. While while you were away, <laughs> it, it might have been a couple hours later. They credited him with another touchdown that they might have missed in the in the hubbub of scores that were going on in that game. I one day on my show, I think with my co-host, we pulled up Texas Tech basketball from 2014, and we pulled up Texas Tech uh, football from 2015. And I'm telling you, but if you stripped the heading off the top, you don't know what's what. 
Basketball, football, same thing. When you're looking at score, you, I'm, t- I'm telling you, you'd have a hard time figuring it out. So people don't have a healthy respect for the Big 12. And with that being the case, you don't go improve yourself early on in the season when you're out of conference games. So if you're not going to have a championship game, at least go out there and you know take on some big boys in the early part of your year. Instead, you're looking for the Sam Houston States out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not one to feel bad for big for the Big 12. I don't know about you. And there are there are athletic directors on that committee. And and mm-hmm. uh, um, not not Brett Berlima, good God, uh, Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin <laughs> AD, last mm-hmm. year in an interview, he said, we, "We also, as athletic directors, we we know the intent of the schedules. Like, look, mm-hmm. you, you may, for instance, last year, this was important to Florida State because Florida State in the non-conference played Florida, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's a that's that's a pretty insane non-conference schedule in most years. Oh yeah. Now this you know, mm-hmm. last year it turned out not to be." because pretty much all those three teams were worse than expected. But they would look at the, right. at the intent of the schedule, as opposed to Baylor, when you're playing like University of Faith, Sam Houston State, and Toledo, or whatever it was. You know, right. that, yeah, that, that's they, – they really, under no circumstances, could you ever project those teams to be difficult. No, not not at all, and it would take something really crazy for that to happen. So I've, I, I'm, I think we're headed for another situation like that, again, with the Big 12, where there will be a whole lot of – uh, sobbing and crying, and you know some bowl some bowl opponent's going to end up bearing the brunt of their frustration. I, I think that's where we're headed again. Well, listen, man, as always, appreciate you coming on. You guys got a big one there on uh, Saturday that a lot of eyes will be on. You kind of you love these kind of weeks in college football. Absolutely, and you know you, you go up there if you're Florida State. This is the first time you have ever been a double digit underdog in ACC play. Yeah, so um, that's got to fire them losing? up. With, yeah, oh, whether yeah. or not they could do anything about it remains to be seen, but they will they will be motivated, no doubt. Yeah, they'll they'll play hard. I I I, I really almost almost never see uh, see like a laydown from them, uh, but we'll we'll see. Maybe they can get it done. Crazier things about yeah, yeah. Well, it is college football, man. Where eight laterals. And uh, all that other kind of stuff can get you in the end zone. We didn't even touch on that, but we'll leave that for another time. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's just that's just too easy. Well, you know what? Before you I, go, I, I what was do you for Miami on that? Because <laughs> look, uh, the officiating in that game was the, the crew should have been suspended regardless of, of the final play. Now, look, do they box the final play? Yeah, of course. Everybody mm-hmm. has eyes; they, they can see that. But you know, mm-hmm. they also. They screwed up several other calls in that game, and Miami was undisciplined. But I don't know if they were twenty-three penalties undisciplined. That that was that was pretty That's crazy. Amazing. And then it's an amazing. I'm not sure amount. that Duke did Duke actually score on that last drive. Like, um, if they, listen, if they I didn't score, see the game. Yeah, I didn't see the game. I was in route, but uh, uh, everyone that I've listened to said they didn't get in, but they gave them a touchdown. So you you can start with that. So if they make the right call on that, we're not having a kick return. That was fourth down. Exactly. Right. Right. So, so yeah, uh, I Miami mean, deserved how, how to win the, that. Duke didn't play very well. How about people calling for them to forfeit the game? That's it's absurd. Uh, it's, it's absurd on a number of levels, and I think that we we uh, we, we have to sort of preserve some measure of finality with, with, when mm-hmm. the final gun goes. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the only real time you ever see this is. Um, I think in baseball you can protest something if it was clearly a like a rules violation. You know, like if you can mm-hmm. prove that the other team batted out of order or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the like like the game. Remember the George Brett Pintar game? 
Yes. Boy, do I when, remember. When they, they actually went back and replayed that. People, a lot of people right. don't know that. You know, they they they, they picked they it did. up from that spot because it was it was a clear it was a clear rules error, not like a judgment call. You know, the, the pine tar thing was actually not supposed to call the batter out. It was a that was a rule that was left over from like the 1910s when mm-hmm. cheap ass owners were, were concerned about getting too much pine tar in their baseballs and going through too many baseballs. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and that's so. probably the only sport in where you would see something like that happen. Uh, you know, I was listening to talk radio, and I forget exactly who, but they brought up this factor as well that people may not have considered. But, you know, Vegas, the game's over, and they pay out some bets. What do you do there if there's oh, a right. forfeit and they hand it back the other way? I mean, it could be gunplay over something like that. Uh, yeah, and you got people <laughs> flying out of town. You, you want to fly back in Vegas or, or, or mail their cash back? I, I, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> too many factors there. So anyone making that suggestion obviously spent too long at the bar. But, hey, man, appreciate you coming on, spending some time with us, and talking about the game. All right, Chad, take care. All right. Bud Elliott from TomahawkNation.com, uh, spending his Thursday, as he does every Thursday, here with us talking Florida State football. They've got a big one. Uh, this weekend as well with Clemson, uh, Florida State fans hoping that Clemson does the Clemsoning thing, but Clemson's got a pretty damn good football team, and uh, as Bud mentioned, Florida State is a double-digit underdog for the first time in quite a long time. I might need to research the last time Florida State was a double-digit underdog, so that has to motivate the troops there, and you know, crazy things happen in college football, and it's why we watch, so We'll have to see what's going on there. But, again, I want to thank Bud Elliott for coming on and uh, giving us his thoughts on this week's game and uh, some, some other things that are going down in college football. All right, well, listen, that's the end of this Thursday edition. I do need to remind you all that tomorrow is Friday, and you know what that means. That's Football Friday here on the Gridiron Stud Show. It's what we're all waiting for. It's the best show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm coming out and saying that right now. I'm channeling my inner Jeremy Pruitt, where I'm just going to be completely and totally pompous. There isn't a better show than the Football Friday show here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I'm joined by my co-host, Emil Calamino. We walk through all of the top college football matchups. We talk NFL football. We give you our picks, which have been pretty good this year, I might add. And then a uh, solid good amount of high school football talk as we get you ready for the games Friday night. Big one between Flanagan and St. Thomas. That will be part of the discussion, no doubt, as well as some other big games and playoff scenarios taking place here in the great state of Florida. So looking forward to tomorrow's show, no doubt about that. And I'd like to thank you all for listening to the show. I want to thank both of my guests, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com and Bud Elliott from TomahawkNation.com for joining us here on the show today. And for the rest of you out there listening, I want to thank you for listening. And if you love the Gridiron Stud Show, tell a friend. Bring them on. The more, the merrier. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.